Hi folks, a quick announcement before the show today. First up, events. We've got three events coming up and they're all in person. I think I said earlier in the year that this was going to be the year of the face-to-face catch-up and it certainly seems to be going that way. So, Thursday the 13th of June. This is for you Brisbane friends. So the Brisbane Take On Board Meetup will be on Thursday the 13th of June. An informal gathering of listeners, program alumni, friends and connections. It's a free event, so come along. Next up, the 18th of July, this is for our Warnable and Great South Coast Take On Board Friends, an event run in conjunction with Leadership Great South Coast and Bernadette Northeast. Governance, from fundamentals to advanced practice. Super early bird tickets for this event close on the 10th of June, so get on it. Then the third event, a bit further down the track, the 22nd of August. This is for our Sydney friends, a Take On Board meetup in Sydney. Details of all of these events are on my website. There's a link to that in the show notes and I would love to see you at one or all of them. Okay, that's it for today. Now, on with the show. Hello, just a quick intro from me to say that just last week I was in sunny Brisbane for the Better Boards Conference and took the opportunity to meet up with the fabulous Sue Kay while I was there. Sue's a powerhouse, as you'll hear more of in a moment, and it was really fantastic to have the opportunity to meet with one of Australia's most influential in technology and robotics, and even better that I could record it for you to hear as well. The Better Boards Conference had some really interesting sessions. The ones I went to included topics such as the implications of the Financial Services Royal Commission, boardroom blunders, business disruption in the not-for-profit service provision, and extending trust and social license through effective stakeholder engagement. There was also sessions about being governance fit and unlocking the power of strategic thinking and planning. I thought I'd share some of this with you in a podcast next week, some tips and tricks and highlights that I learned there. And then I thought, well, wouldn't it be great to have some interaction around it? So, in another first, I'm going to do a Facebook Live this Sunday, the 18th of August, 2019, and I would love it if you could join me there. So just go on over to the Take On Board Facebook group to find out more. I look forward to seeing you there. And now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'll be speaking with Sue Kay about how to get on a board and being an effective board member. First, let me tell you about Sue and why I'm so excited to be speaking with her today. Sue set up the world's first robotic vision research centre and she now leads CSIRO's Data61 Cyber Physical Systems Program. She'll tell us what all of that means in a moment. Last year, she developed Australia's first robotics roadmap, highlighting how advances in robotics and AI will impact on every sector of the Australian economy. With a PhD in geoscience and an MBA, Sue combines science with business. She has interests in entrepreneurship and disruptive technologies, and she started QUT's social robotics program. Sue serves on the board of the CRC for Optimising Resource Extraction, Women in Robotics International, and the Expert Advisory Panel of Queensland AI. She's been recognised as one of RoboHub's 2018 25 Women in Robotics You Need to Know About, and as one of Queensland's most influential people in the Courier Mail's Power 100. 
and as a superstar of STEM, Science and Technology Australia, and she's responsible for bringing the Grace Hopper Celebration to Australia. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Sue. Yeah, thanks, Hilia. So, Sue, before we talk about getting on a board and being an effective board member, let's explore a little bit more about you. Can you tell me what was young Sue like and when did you get your first inkling you might end up as a board director? I was a very shy child, but I was very lucky in that I came from a family of early adopters of technology and we always had access to technology. So in that respect, I had a very privileged background. I really didn't have any clear career aspirations as I was growing up and probably would never have thought of being a board director or even understood what that meant when I was young. And it really wasn't until I had a bit of an epiphany in my 30s in the workforce when I realised that I was not satisfied with being someone who was on the sidelines and that I'd prefer to be someone who was making the decisions. And at that point, I had been involved with a few companies where we reported to a board. And I suppose that demystified a bit what the role of the board was and probably opened my eyes to possibilities. Often people's first experience of a board is is that reporting to a board and, you know, it does just bring it to life. Sometimes it seems like quite a mysterious thing, a board, but they're not that mysterious at all once you get to know them. Quite friendly once you get to know them sometimes. (laughs) Is there something from the last month or so uh, that you're proud of? Oh, I'm very proud that I've been responsible for bringing a version of the Grace Hopper Celebration to Australia. So maybe not many people outside of the tech industry would know what that is. But the Grace Hopper Celebration is the world's largest gathering of women technologists. And it's run by a group, a non-profit social enterprise called the AnitaB.org foundation and they hold it in the states and they have more than 25,000 women technologists all in the one place and I felt that we really needed something similar here in Australia to raise the profile of the women technologists that we have and also to demonstrate the career pathways that are available to them and to encourage workplaces to be more diverse And that we just wound that up. It was called Hopper Down Under. We had more than 750 women technologists attend the event. From all reports, it was very successful and everyone's very keen to see us run something similar again. How fantastic. I spoke to somebody just this morning who said they'd been along to Hopper Down Under and was glowing praise about it. So I can totally understand how you're proud of that. It just sounds like an amazing thing. And to bring all of those women together in, oh, There must have been incredible energy in the room. It was. There was a buzz right from the beginning. And for many women who work in technology, in some cases, it was the first time they have ever attended a conference where they're in the majority. Yeah. When you picture technology, you don't often think about the women in technology. So to have them all together, how fantastic. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. So you're involved in a number of organisations. You're on the board of the Cooperative Research for Optimising Resource Extraction. Uh, You're on Women in Robotics International and the advisory board for Queensland AI. Can you just tell us a little about those organisations? Because not everybody will know what they're about. The first one, the Cooperative Research Centre, is funded by a collaboration between uh, the Australian government and industry who each invest funds to 
you know, further research in a particular area. And in this case, it's around optimising resource extraction. And by that, it's about trying to make sure that the Australian mining industry is sustainable. We have a cross-section of members within that cooperative research centre from the research providers who are doing the cutting-edge work on sensing technologies and, and other ways that we can most effectively and efficiently extract resources right through to the SMEs and people who are part of our mining equipment technology services sector who supply into our big mining companies. So it covers that whole range of participants and our role on the board is just to make sure that we meet all the obligations of our funding from the Commonwealth and also just to ensure that we actually meet all of our obligations to our participants and that we, at the end of the day, are able to say that we have actually made a difference and can demonstrate that we are having an impact in making sure that Australian mining industry is more sustainable. Yeah, so that real balance of conformance and compliance, but also that performance and making sure you're doing really well at what you need to do. Yes. What about the other two? And so Women in Robotics, I'm only fairly newly uh, on that board, although I've been involved with them for some time. And really, it is a movement that is uh, about encouraging and supporting the women who are in the field of robotics. You mentioned earlier that my current role is as Research Director of Cyber Physical Systems. Cyber Physical Systems incorporates robotics and autonomous systems, along with sensing systems, cybernetics, computer vision, and Unfortunately, the percentage of women who are in these fields is probably sitting at less than 10%. Mm -hmm. And we really want to have the technologies that are going to be having an impact on our community to be developed by a diverse mix of people representative of the societies where these technologies will be deployed. So Women in Robotics is, I'm serving on that board to help to make that uh, happen by supporting the women that we do have in robotics and helping to encourage women to consider careers in robotics. You know, I think often people think about things like AI and robotics as, inverted commas, objective, whereas it's the people who design them that make the rules around them. And if they are designed by a certain part of our community, then that's what they will represent and serve. So yes. it's really important in all areas to have that level of diversity. So uh, again, Yes, that's exactly right. Well done you on bringing them together. Queensland AI, tell us about that. Oh, well, Queensland AI is a phenomenon. So it started only, I think, two years ago now uh, as a meetup group and there was just an explosion of interest in artificial intelligence at the time. But there was also a disconnect where a lot of people were very keen to find out about artificial intelligence but not so keen to have to go back to university and study a three-year degree to find out more about it. And so it really is a community-led endeavour to increase awareness of artificial intelligence and also to give people the tools that they require to be able to uh, deploy artificial intelligence. And so they run meetup groups and they also support people to do massive online open courses with support so that they can actually learn about different aspects of artificial intelligence and apply it in their own jobs. And it really fills a gap that exists at the moment. You know, I guess a thirst for knowledge around artificial intelligence versus the time pressure that everyone feels, which often restricts people from mm. taking up those opportunities. And Queensland AI very quickly has gone to more than 3,000 members 
I think people have no idea what a thriving artificial intelligence community we have here in Brisbane. Mm. And yeah, I'm really proud to be part of it. Well, with all of that background in mind, we wanted to talk about getting on a board, being an effective board member. I also want to pick your brain, as they say, around what are some of the things that directors should be thinking about with AI and robotics and so on. So let's start with getting on a board. How did you get on your first board? Well, I got on my first board, uh, the Cast Services PTY Limited board, by virtue of working for a cooperative research centre that spun out a company. And so I had knowledge of the business and I guess they needed people who had that knowledge to be able to effectively run that board. It wasn't a very long-lived appointment and I was working with a university research commercialisation company, Uniquest, and they supported me to attend the Australian Institute of Company Directors course and I'm a graduate of that. And at the time, the rationale was that they were hoping to spin out a number of companies based on the research that was happening within the university, and they really needed people with some expertise to be able to help sit on those boards and, and spin them out. But in the interim, I ended up changing jobs, and so I was a little bit – I guess I was thinking that those qualifications may not ever get put to much use. And someone asked me whether I would – advise a board on intellectual property uh, because mm. that had been part of my background. And also it was a, a mining-related company and my background is as a geologist, so I had the domain knowledge. And I guess that was probably a less scary way of being involved with a board than going straight onto a board. And so I ran their intellectual property and commercialisation subcommittee and I would report to the board, but I wasn't part of the full board meetings. Mm. And it was useful because I got to know members of that board and I guess get a, an insight into how they worked. But funnily enough, I'm probably not the best person to be giving advice on getting on a board because I was then asked whether there might be someone who would be suitable to serve on that board. And I racked my brain. I came up with a couple of names until eventually the person asking me said, you know, we so were soon. actually thinking of you. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> and I feel, I don't know whether that is something that is peculiar to women, that we think of everybody else before we think of ourselves. Mm. But of course, when it was said, it was like, oh, well, that's obvious. Of course, I'd be actually really good at that. <laughs> but why did it not occur to me to yeah. put my name forward? Yes. And so then uh, I've been serving on the CRC for Optimising Resource Extraction Board. It is an elected board, so uh, it is competitive to be on the board. But I've really enjoyed the experience Mm. And it's a great opportunity for me to use a lot of the skills that I developed when I was in geology and see how those can be applied. I mean, there's some fantastic lessons in there. Committees can be a great way of finding out more about the organisation, both for you and for them. So a little try before you buy. Yeah. And it sounds like for this one, they liked what they saw and came back to you. The other lesson I'm hearing there is put your hand up. Don't wait for somebody else to put it up. But even if you might not have done it in that instance, maybe I'm hoping people listening to this will be going, ah, okay, I need to put my hand up. Yes. Which is a great lesson as well. And and that skills alignment stuff as well. Like there must increasingly be on boards this need for technology, expertise, robotics, AI, all of these sorts of things that 
organisations just have to know for the future? You know, I think the other real lesson in this is there's still extremely powerful influence of personal networks. Mm, great. Because Tell if, me about that. If I was just sort of sitting at home and having all of my <laughs> AI and robotics expertise and no one outside of my backyard knew that I had those skills, then there's no chance I would be on a board. And it's such a personal selection process, I feel. And in some ways that makes me feel uncomfortable because I think that that disadvantages women because people tend to look for the networks of people that they already know Mm -hmm. and that might be quite exclusive of women. In my case, because I had become a known quantity, then that worked in my favour eventually. But for someone who's considering being on a board who perhaps doesn't have many connections into any existing boards, I would say it's almost impossible. Mm. It's I know that some board positions are advertised, but even then people are going to be asking around about you. They'll be wanting to know, have like some personal, I guess, some validation of who you are. And it really is so much about trust. Mm. And I think that cuts both ways. I think on the one hand, you know, you want to be comfortable with the other people you have on the board, but on The other side of that, you also need to have a diverse set of opinions. So maybe some people on the board should actually make you feel a bit uncomfortable and maybe not just be people that you know and you think are are great people. Absolutely. All the research around diversity, I think, in essence, it's diversity makes for stronger decision-making, but it's harder. Yes. Uh, And, you know, we know we've been to those meetings where there's groupthink around the table and you all come out going, oh, that was awesome. How good are we? We all feel good about our decision. But when there's diversity in the room and you get tested more, I mean, it's what makes it strong, but it's much harder. Mm. And in fact, I, I read some research around it recently and I'll link it in the show notes around often with diverse decision making, there is less confidence in those decisions, which makes sense when you once yeah. you think about it. But it does make that role as a director a little more of a roller coaster because there is less confidence, even though they're better decisions. Well, and I think that a lot of boards are facing that challenge that they have heard that they should have more diverse composition, but finding it challenging to to meet that. And I guess my message there is really, it's not that hard. Mm. There are actually plenty of women out there. And I think, you know, the Hopper Down Under conference we just had shows, you know, that there are at least 750 women technologists to choose from if you wanted to have them on your board. So it really is, if we just rely on the same old way of going about things, then change will never happen. Absolutely. And I think we need to advertise more roles. Use the networks as well, but advertise them as well so that they're out there for people to see. 700 at Hopper Down Under, 3,000, did you say, in Queensland AI Mm -hmm. engaged? I mean, there are enormous numbers of people out there that have some of these skills. Is there a list of those that went to Hopper Down Under somewhere that people can tap into? (laughs) Or do they need to come to you? Oh, I don't know. That that might breach Australian privacy regulations, (laughs) but I'm sure we could probably get a message out. (laughs) Yeah, if people need it, come to you. Thinking about being an effective board member, And in fact, you know, your depth of experience in technology and AI and robotics, before we get onto the generalities of being an effective board member, what are some of the things that people like me need to think about on our boards? What are some of the governance challenges that we need to think about? Where can we learn more about technology and robotics and AI? 
Yeah, well, I think the AICD is starting to have quite a lot of good courses, for example, around cybersecurity to open people's eyes up about some of these things. But probably in a lot of companies that knowledge already exists. It's actually just a matter of having presentations to the board around some of these issues and being really appreciating in-house talent and where you can identify that that talent doesn't exist then perhaps bringing in an outside expert to brief the board on some of the issues that they might need to consider around different areas. A very popular term at the moment is reverse mentoring, Mm. you know, where you bring in some of younger, more junior parts of the organisation to share their experiences. And I think that can be quite powerful too. Absolutely. Uh, Because particularly with some of these new technologies, uh, a lot of the knowledge probably does reside with some of our more junior staff. Actually thinking about it at Hopper Down Under, what was the average age? We actually aimed for and and got a great range of ages. So we deliberately wanted the conference to go from everyone from undergraduate through to CEO level. Fantastic. Yeah, there was a a good spectrum of age and experience. Fantastic. Of technology issues, I know that's probably a broad overarching term, but in thinking about technology and so on, what are some of the issues that directors need to watch out for? What should be on our agenda at the moment to keep an eye on? Robotics and automation are set to have a huge impact on on every industry. The, the, The biggest challenge for Australia is that I think our economy has been very insulated to date. And so we haven't really seen a drive to adopt technology in the same way that many of our rival countries are facing. And I think that That's a real risk for us. So there are two elements to that. One is that I'm not seeing urgency in terms of adoption of technology. And then two, I'm seeing a lot of hesitation about how you would then implement those things. And that's fair enough. I think that we actually do have a bit of a gap in Australia in what I'd call the integration space. So you've got the technologies, you've got the companies who'd like to use them, and then a gap in between how the technologies can be applied to that particular organisation. But I think that with sufficient planning, then all of those issues can be overcome. Once a company has made up their mind why it is that they need to implement technology, then I think it's just a matter of putting forward an action plan of how to go about doing it. The thing to look out for is whether you're applying technology without actually having a reason for doing that. Mm. Just because you've heard that people are doing things, Mm -hmm. does that actually make it right for you? There are some companies in Australia who are at the cutting edge who we can learn from. And the more of those stories that we get out, the, the better. Just to give you one example from here in Brisbane, what we do know, unfortunately, from studies is that many companies go into the idea of having automation on the basis that it will reduce costs because it will reduce headcount, Mm -hmm. which is one reason why there is quite a backlash against things like robotics and automation because, you know, what is the upside for workers? However, the experience of many companies who have deployed robotics and automation is actually that they haven't seen a reduction in headcount. What they have seen is an improvement in productivity and profitability, which has meant that they've actually ended up putting on more staff. Mm. I think there's a lot that we can learn from some of the lead companies who are going through this process right now. And 
rather than spending a lot of time worrying about it, if we just go out and question and interrogate those companies and find out what they're doing well and how they've gone about doing things, then it probably people will find that there's already a roadmap mm. on how they can do these things within their own companies. Who would you say are those that are doing it well at the moment that we can look to? There's quite a few in the manufacturing sector. Mm-hmm. Australia really is very advanced in niche manufacturing areas, but also I would say that there are pockets within our energy sector, our mining sector, who are very well advanced and in logistics, robotics and automation are starting to have a huge impact. Turning to being an effective board member, I know that one of the things that you think is important is around that board and management team alignment. Can you talk us through your thinking there? I think that you can waste a lot of time at board meetings if the alignment is not there. Mm. You know, I think there are two things that happen when you don't have alignment. One is that the management team, uh, I guess, bristles at any board directives, but two, that then the board can waste a lot of time trying to get to the bottom of where the resistance is and why and what's going on. And the quicker that that can be sorted out and alignment found, then, you know, it can be far more efficient for everybody concerned. How you achieve that alignment is not always clear though, but I guess my experience has been that where there is not alignment, you can always tell because those are the areas which take up all of the discussion time at board meetings and then often end up being on the agenda at multiple board meetings until perhaps that issue is not resolved, but the alignment issue is resolved. Is there a story you can tell us about either one of your boards or something where where that alignment has been strong and how that happened? Well, I think it is often distilling things back to their basic elements. So... Every now and then it really pays for everyone to go back to the drawing board and look at why a company was founded. And often that can be sufficient to really get things back in alignment because once people do that, then it really should be pretty clear whether decisions are consistent with the purpose of the organisation. When there are alignment issues, I think that's when everyone really needs to go right back to basics and back to the drawing board and go, well, you know, this is, these are the bare bones, why we exist and why we're doing what we're doing. Mm. What is it that's inconsistent that is causing this feeling that people aren't aligned? Yes. And how can we then move people back into that? Or do we actually need to adjust our purpose? One of the other things you had mentioned is around the pre-meeting and the importance of the pre-meeting. Can you talk us through that? I think that it's one of those things that can save an enormous amount of time in a board meeting and that is just to actually start to find out, you know, if there is a contentious issue, get a sense of where people's thinking is at and I think that, you know, that can often help to get alignment before the meeting is actually started. Having pre-meetings also is an indication that board members have a relationship outside of the board room. And I think it is dangerous for people to just come in, spend a set amount of time together, leave and never communicate outside of of those meetings. It allows too much room for people to, uh, you know, lose that sense of alignment. Yeah. Developing relationships with your co-directors seems to be a common theme. What are some of the ways that you've used to develop those strong relationships with your co-directors? 
I think I mentioned when I was young, I was quite shy. I've had to just get used to um, being someone who is on the phone a lot. Mm. <laughs> I guess that's the main way because, you know, often, you know, directors are busy people. It's it's not easy to ever be in the same room together. So those times when we are in the same room together for board meetings is pretty precious. If something needs to get sorted out outside of that, yeah, a lot of time on the phone. Yeah, having those conversations. When do you have those conversations? Is it when you're on your way to work? How do you fit it all in? Yeah. Yeah, early morning, late, yep. late in the evening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. Which is not a great advertisement for work-life balance. But someone said to me recently, there is no such thing as work-life balance. It's about having work-life harmony. Yes, I have heard that. I'm, I'm not sure if it makes it any easier when you're just filling it in at all levels of it. It only works when you actually do actually take a long lunch or an afternoon off. Well, <laughs> uh, well no, actually, I, that's where I am looking forward to uh, autonomous cars. Yes. I will get so much email and so many phone calls done when we have autonomous cars. Absolutely. It's almost going back to old technology using phones to actually have telephone conversations with people, but it's so important to do that to build those relationships. Yeah. So then thinking about the conversation that we've had today, what are the main points you want people to take away from the conversation? I think the biggest thing to consider is how aligned you are. And as I mentioned, there are probably warning signs if there isn't alignment, particularly between the board and the management team, or it might just be within the board. And I think any time you get the sense that there's not alignment is a time to have a chat with the chair about bringing everything back to basics Mm. and stripping it all down and looking at why the organisation exists and why they're trying to achieve what they're trying to achieve and whether the current business of the the organisation is set up to do that. And is there a resource you would like to share with the community? It can be a TED Talk or a book or a podcast. I've always been quite strongly influenced by uh, Simon Sinek's Start With Why, Mm -hmm. which you could probably tell from the the theme of (laughs) what I think is important. I've seen it work in practice. It's just that he put it into words. And although it's a very simple concept, Mm. it's very powerful because it's so true. I think that we, particularly if you're task focused, you can get very much caught up in the what. And when people describe what their companies do, it can be all about the what. And as Simon points out, Nobody cares mm. what you do. Yeah. They care why you do it. Yes. And it's simple, but it's effective. And if you can apply it, which is not always easy, but if you can apply it, I think it cuts through a lot of the tensions that you often find mm-hmm. either within boards or between boards and management teams and distills things down to their very essence so that it actually makes problems a lot easier to solve. Absolutely. And I'll make sure I put a link to the book and the video because I love the little video on it as yes. well. In fact, Simon Sinek is coming to Australia early next year, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Finally, if this was a board meeting, we would have an action sheet that comes out of it. What are the couple of things that you might put on the action sheet from our conversation today? Oh, I probably better do some a phone around of the other directors. That should be one. <laughs> I suppose one thing I didn't mention was also the importance of having a relationship with the management team so that the board does not appear to be some mysterious entity that never interacts with anyone but the CEO. And it's all really about relationships. So in terms of actions, it's really about different ways that you can build relationships. 
it's such a key thing for directors. Mm. Uh, I've heard all sorts of stories from some of the women directors who go off and get their nails done together through to making the phone calls from their cars on the way in the morning to whatever it may be. So it certainly is a common theme. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. I know that you've been mad busy the last couple of days uh, doing Hop Down Under, which again, congratulations on the amazing success of that. So I really appreciate you taking the time to come and talk to me today because I know that people will love to listen to some of those tips around getting on a board, being an effective board member and thinking about those challenges that as board directors we need to get our head around. Even if we're not the technology person, we still need to get some learning around. So thank you so much for sharing today and being here with me. Thanks, Helia. Hi there, it's Helia. That's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So it's great to be able to share these conversations that I'm having with these amazing group of women with you. Now, can I ask a favour? Could you share this podcast with someone you know? Perhaps you can share it with some of your board colleagues or someone else that you know that's interested in exploring all things boards and governance. With your help, we can grow the Take On Board community. Last but not least, if you want to continue the conversation, you can also join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, where there's lots of great discussions, tips, tricks and resources being shared. I would love it if you can join in the conversation there. You can find it by searching Take On Board in Facebook. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another fabulous conversation. Just a reminder, if you'd like to join me for the Facebook Live about some of the Better Boards conference sessions, it's on this Sunday, the 18th of August, 2019. Just pop on over to the Take On Board Facebook group to find out all about it. See you there.